Take your Bibles, if you will, please, and uh, find the book of Philippians. We'll be in Philippians chapter 1 in just a moment. Uh, having a little trouble getting the microphone on there. Now I think we're up. Okay. <clears throat> um, I want to take a moment this morning to kind of catch up speed and, and, and summarize not only what we've done here recently, but it's gone on for some time. Let me introduce you to something that has been an accompaniment for me for over a year now. You've heard about this. You've probably never seen it. It's in my office. It's what I use to persuade our staff real regular of what it is we're about. Okay. Uh, this is the uh, proverbial spear we keep talking about. You see, we over a year and a half ago, we came to the, to the point of realizing we've got to get back to basics. We've got to get back that the point of the spear, the very tip of the spear, what it is God has called us to be about is winning people to faith in Jesus Christ and growing them in our most holy faith. That's who we are and that's what we're to do. The head of this spear, it had really come to our attention and really been brought home that, that uh, pointing specifically towards families with children still at home was the direction we needed to go. And, and the reason behind this is we, we realized that among most of us, most of us came to faith in Christ before the age of 18, definitely before the age of 22. And after kids get off to college and such, it, it gets appreciably harder and harder to reach them and into young adulthood and into median adulthood. We still have people coming to faith in Christ that are even, you know, in their, in their 70s and 80s. But by and large, the time to reach people with the gospel is when they're still very young and when we can really help them understand what it means to live the Christ life. So that's the, the head of our spear. But the head has to be attached to a shaft. The shaft is what drives it home. The shaft is where the power comes from. And so what we began with was understanding the shaft begins with awareness. We need to be aware of lost people round about us. Because so often we can just be oblivious to the fact that the folks we pass where we are at work, that we're in shopping or whatever we do, we don't see through the eyes of Christ and feel with the heart of Christ and the compassion of Christ how lost they really are. So we need to be very much aware. And with that awareness, then there's prayer. Prayer that we undergird with one another. We, we pray for one another. We specifically pray for the lost. Pray for the unchurched. Pray for those that we know. To the best of our knowledge, they have no relationship whatsoever with God. And as we're feeling the compassion of Christ and seeing people with the eyes of Christ and praying for them, then what they desperately need is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we took time in reminding one another, what is the gospel? And how do we share the basic gospel story wherever we are? How do we start gospel conversations? How do we to just make it very simple to where anyone can understand? And then our own story about how we came to faith in Jesus Christ. Nobody can tell your story but you. And nobody can tell it better than you. So awareness, prayer, the gospel, sharing the gospel. This is the shaft that drives the spear. But you know what the most important part of this whole illustration is? It's the binding right here. What binds the head to the shaft? 
Because you see, if it's not bound, it falls off. And what binds it is for you and I to understand that we need to go from theory to practice. The theory is wonderful, but unless we are practicing the spear, unless we're practicing what it means to share the gospel of Christ and tell our story, unless we're committed to not this not just be good preaching and teaching, but who we are and how we live and what it is we do until we're committed to that. We're just a social club. We just meet for fun. And more importantly, it's all about ourselves. The last point on this the spear. That's what I want to talk to you about today. And that's the word partnership. Let me lay that down before I hurt me or you one. Partnership. Because, you see, what God has called us to do is enter into partnership, me with you, you with me, all of us together. And that what we can do together is so much more and so much more effective than what we can do individually. I need you to help me win people to faith in Christ. You need me to help you learn how to do that. We are a team and we work together. And that's what Paul is talking about in Philippians chapter 1. You've turned there. Philippians chapter 1. And I want you to look at what he has to say in verses 3 through 5. Philippians chapter 1, 3 through 5. Paul is in the midst of a prayer here. And he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. What was he so excited about? What's he thanking God for? Here, look at this. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Your fellowship in the gospel. Now, you know that word fellowship is that word koinonia. That's one of the few Greek words that you probably have known because you've heard it over and over again. That's the word for fellowship. But it's built off the word koinonos. And koinonos means partner, sharer, compatriot. One who comes alongside and joins in the effort. And that's why the best interpretation for this right here is partnership. Thank you for your partnership in the gospel from the very first day unto now. As, as that church gathered together, they saw themselves needing one another and depending on one another. That together they could clearly articulate and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and hurting world. I share with you that's what we're about. We're partnering with one another. It is not my job to win everybody to faith in Christ that comes here to First Baptist Church. And that's not your job individually. But that is our job for us to present the gospel together individually, corporately, cooperatively in such a way that people can see and hear and understand the love God has for them. And we do that in partnership with one another. So that's what we want to focus on this morning. How is it that we here at First Baptist Church, how is it we can partner with one another, you with me, me with you, together with Sunday school and all the different things that we do, how can we partner together to address the lostness in our community? 
to be aware, to be praying, to be sharing the gospel and sharing our story in a way that's effective and drives the point home into the hearts of people we want to see saved. There are several things that we do to partner here. So I want to go over a couple things. I want to drive a few things home. First of all, we partner with you by training. By training. As Derek read earlier from Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12, God gave some great gifts to the church. Uh, in the very early days, he gave the apostles and the prophets. Those roles do not continue to today. That was the establishing of the church in those earliest days. But then he gave evangelists and pastors and teachers. And the role of the pastor slash teacher is the equipping of the saints. The equipping of the saints to do the ministry to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's where I get my spiritual marching orders from, is right there in Ephesians 4. And that's what your ministerial staff does. That's what your teachers in the church do. This is our role, to train and equip the body of Christ to be partnering together to see lost, unchurched men and women come into the fellowship, the training. And there's no better way than this. Look, God did not give us several options. He gave us one calling. One calling as a church corporately and as Christians individually. As we're going, we're to be winning people to faith in Christ and growing them in our most holy faith. You cannot be a believer in Jesus Christ and ignore that command and live in fellowship with Holy Spirit. He won't allow it. Holy Spirit won't allow it. He will constantly be burdening your heart that something's wrong until you're actively engaged in that which he has called us all to be about. And, and my role, Derek's role... All of your ministers, our role is to train you how to do this. That's why these last few sermons have been so intensely practical about raising your awareness of lost people around you, about guiding you to be praying for them and feeling the compassion God has for them and reflecting that with your own compassion, about how to tell the gospel story, how to tell your story, and now how can we partner together in this. And the first way is in that training. We want you to be well-equipped for the sharing of the gospel because you're, you're out there in so many different places, places I can't be. You know, I spend way too much of my time right here ministering to the saints of God. You, you may think that because I and others are full-time pastors that we have 40, 50, 60 hours we can spend in the community all over winning people to faith in Christ. Listen, I don't say this in a burdened way, but you take up way too much of my time for me to do that. Okay? Because pastoring the flock, caring for the flock, is very demanding for all of the ministers here. And so, who is it that's out with the community? Who is it that's rubbing elbows with people who are lost, who are not engaged in church anywhere? It's the membership. From the very beginning, Holy Spirit knew this. 
And that's why they set aside individuals for fellowship, for, for ministering to those in the fellowship. And that the pastors and teachers were given themselves to prayer and the teaching of the Word of God. But here in Ephesians, we're specifically reminded this is the calling, is to train the church to be the church. So the first thing is training. The second thing, the way we partner, is collective opportunities to share the faith. Providing collective opportunities together, we can share the faith. We were doing this like gangbusters until COVID hit. <laughs> we, we were being so very effective and very, very uh, uh, planning in what we were doing and all of our various activities to where we could be doing this. COVID hit, you know, that shut everything down in so many different ways. But now we're getting over that. We're not all together out of the woods yet. We're still averaging about three or four uh, new cases in our community a day. It's not gone. We still have to be careful. We still have to follow uh, some, some reasonable uh, restrictions and such. But listen, it's getting better. And these times for fellowship and being together and having organized opportunities are about to return. And they're fun. A and we get to be together. And there's a great spirit for all of that, but I want you to know something. That is a side effect. Let me let you in on a secret. Let, let me help you understand something. When we plan a concert, when we plan something like Vacation Bible School, or a, a, a soup fellowship, or a picnic, or our Olympic Games, when we plan something other like that, it's not for you. Sorry, it's not for you. Is it fun? Yes. Is it a blast? Is it entertaining? Is it joyous? Do we have an opportunity to fellowship with one another? Yes. But it's not for you. It's for you to bring your lost and unchurched friends to, to where they can experience the Word of God being taught or taught or lived out. They can see the, the experience, the community of faith. They can experience all of this, the fun and the fellowship. And they begin to be drawn to what God is doing in our lives. And what does it do? It gives you an opportunity to say, let me tell you what God's done in my life. Let me tell you how He saved me. Let me share with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is how we partner with you. We provide these wonderful opportunities, and they're great fun, and they do build our fellowship. But they're not primarily for us. They're primarily for those in the community. Those that are your neighbors. Hey, we're having a fun thing going on at the church. We're having a, well, a competition. The guys are cooking soup and stews and chilies and all like that. And it is, it's a blast. Will you come and just share a good meal with us? We'll have some fun and fellowship. And there'll be a nice program going on. And then sitting there around that table, you get the opportunity to tell them what God's done in your life. You get to introduce them to others who will be willing to share their story as well. That's what it's about. That's what it's for. This is how we partner. We organize opportunities that you can bring your lost and unchurched friends, neighbors to, so they can experience what it is to live in the community of faith. That's what it's all about. It's not designed to be primarily about us. Here is where we have sinned, and here we have, have we lost the point 
We've made church about us. And it's not about us. It's about us bringing people to faith in Jesus. Now, there's always great fellowship there, and we always get to grow with that, and there's all kinds of ways that we do discipling and such. But when we have a picnic, when we had the picnic and the Olympic Games over here, it's been over a year ago now, some of you weren't, weren't involved in, but when we had that, we had that grass hillside covered up with people. And they were eating and having fun and doing our silly and fun games and such. You know what? There were, there were about ten brand new families there. That maybe they'd, uh, they'd come to church a time or two, maybe. Maybe they'd just been on Wednesday night with their children or whatever. But they got surrounded by the love of people who understood that this, that time was not about us. It was about welcoming them and encouraging them. And you know what? Most of those families are active members of our church right now because of what we did over there 18 months ago. Because the event wasn't for us. It was for them. I love Sunday school and, and small group Bible study. <clears throat> love it. But we have made Sunday school all about us about us being comfortable in our rooms where we can have the air conditioner or the heat or whatever the case may be this time of year, you don't know what you need, but where we can have our, our little group together and we can love on one another. Listen to me. Sunday school was developed to be the primary outreach arm of the church. Let me ask you a question. Does your Sunday school class or small group Bible study have lost and unchurched people in it? Most of you would have to tell me no. It's just us folks who love Jesus. And we're with our friends. We got a good teacher that's really anointed. And, and, and they just share the gospel and we have good fun together. You see, we've taken something that was designed to be a primary outreach arm to bring people in and we've made it all about us. We made it all about us. And it was never designed to be about us. It was designed to be a partnership where we can bring our lost and unchurched friends into an arena. Yes, they get to hear the Word of God taught, but they get to see this unique fellowship that only Christians have and the praying with one another and see the joy of the Lord that is within us. And they get to experience and they hear the gospel shared over and over and over again. And all of a sudden the light bulb comes on and they say, yes, that's what I've been looking for. Partnership. It's not about you. It's about others. Like, can you understand? That's why we do these events. Let me tell you something that breaks my heart. We had a great thing going on here a week and a half ago. Wednesday, a week ago, the children did their musical presentation. There were kids up here, I mean, wall to wall, five deep. And afterwards, we had s'mores out here in the back parking lot. And there were so many folks here, so many families here, that they've only started coming on Wednesday nights right now that we've restarted our program, and boy, that's going and blossoming so wonderfully. And so well, we, we were here with our children and grandchildren and, and our nieces and nephews and everything out there in the back having s'mores. And there was a number of us who went from, from, from family to family to family, you know, getting to know them, building relationships, talking with them. I had two opportunities to share my story of coming to faith in Christ and such. But you know what I saw? I saw so many of our people 
standing together in little clumps of one or two or three or four, good friends, enjoying their fellowship together, and they never saw anybody new. They never welcomed anybody. They never got to know anybody because it was all about them. In an event that was all about others. Now, I'm not saying that to, to jump all over you. I'm not saying that to chide you. I'm saying that to say you missed the point. And you missed a tremendous opportunity. And you know exactly who you are. Don't think we do all these things for you. We do these things to have opportunities to partner with you and bring those folks you want to see to come to Christ into an arena where they can hear the gospel and their hearts can be warmed and we can begin to build relationships into their lives. This is partnership. Just keep in mind, it's never going to be just about us. Are we going to have a lot of fun? Yeah, we are. Are we going to have our tummies full? You better believe it. We're Baptists, all right? We're going to have fun. And our fellowship with one another is going to grow. But listen, don't forget the point. The point is this is about bringing others to faith in Christ. That's our, our, our partnership. The third way we partner with one another is presenting the gospel corporately. This is something that the early church did so powerfully. They gathered together, and when they did, they had a purpose they knew that everybody they brought in that door, they were going to hear the gospel of Christ. They were going to hear how that impacts people's lives. And those early believers were going to share their own stories of the process. And this is how the church could grow by the thousands because they understood we were partnering together. And what we did collectively, cooperatively, corporately was to grow the kingdom. We do that when we worship. Folks, when, when, we're, when we're singing and we're praying, will you please just release all your inhibitions and just get into it? Now, you might not jump up and down like some of us do, and you may not raise your hands to heaven the way some of us do, but boy, it's all over your face when you're praising God and you're loving Him and being loved by Him. But when you're there, It communicates. When you worship and love God corporately, there is a power that is unleashed. Don't forget this. Worship, yes, is very much for you to commune through Holy Spirit with our Father God, through the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you loose yourself in worship, it communicates to those around you. I know the first day I ever came to church and, and they started singing. I didn't know any of those songs. I mean, I knew songs that I could sing, but they had words in them that they didn't sing at that church, all right? <laughs> and what I, I didn't know the songs, I didn't know the tune, but you know what? I saw Jesus on the faces of those people in that congregation. Some of them singing in tears in their eyes about the God who loves them and has saved them and transformed their lives. And there was something incredibly magnetic about that. 
that drew me to the authenticity. And then as the pastor began to preach, bam, it all came together and made sense. When we worship together, we're partnering, not just to grow ourselves, and we do grow in that, but we're partnering to demonstrate the love of God to those unbelievers that are in our midst as well. Through the preaching, sometimes we have a series of preaching like we're just finishing up that is designed primarily for the church, designed primarily to help the church to grow, to train the church. We talked about that just a moment ago, okay? We have series of messages like that where we talk about the spear designed primarily for the church. Even in them, we're going to share the gospel every time it's preached. But listen to me. I will never craft a sermon that does not have a clear gospel presentation in it. And you can know if you bring one of your friends to First Baptist Church, they're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I will partner with you. I will make that promise. I will keep that promise. No matter when you bring somebody here, they're going to hear of the love of God demonstrated through His Son, Jesus Christ. But listen, we're about to embark on another series that's totally designed for people that you would bring to church. We're calling it Roadblocks. Roadblocks. And, and what it is, is God-given obstructions to keep you out of hell. Roadblocks. God-given obstructions to keep people from going to hell. And we're going to look at the things that God does to put every roadblock He possibly can in front of a lost person to keep them from ending up in eternal damnation. Now, are we doing that because all of y'all are lost and need to get saved? I hope not. No, because we're partnering with you. To where here is a series you can bring those that you've been working on and praying for, that your heart's gone out to, and you're aware that they're lost. You can bring them knowing they're going to hear a story, hear a gospel, hear preaching that is directly God's love of grace to their heart. Partnering. This is what we do to drive the spear home. I love that old hymn. I love to tell the story. It's, it's, it's precious to me of what Jesus has done for me, of how he's changed my life and saved my soul. And I love to tell the story. And I don't hesitate to tell the story. And I don't want you to hesitate either. You see, God knew millennia before I was ever born that one day I'd grace planted earth. And he knew because he created me with free will that I was freely going to choose to do my own thing and go my own way. I'm going to do what I want to do. He knew that's, he knew that's how it was going to be. He knew out of that attitude I was going to do things and say things drink things and take things that would mess with my mind and mess with my body. He knew that I would sin and that I would be separated from him for all eternity. But from the war, before the world began, God's heart of love for Fred Lodge was so poured out 
that he made a way. He made a way for me not to spend eternity in hell. That at a point in time, in the fullness of time, that God himself would become a man. That he would live a perfect life. That he would die on the cross to take Fred Lodge's sin upon himself. And we'd rise again to where Fred Lodge could have the life of God flowing through him. And his life could be transformed. And I heard the gospel that Sunday morning. The first time I ever heard the gospel. And I surrendered my life to Jesus that day. And if you have not done that, whether you're here in our congregation or at home, I want you today to have that opportunity. I want you today to have the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That was 56 years ago. Longer than some of you have been around. 56 years ago. And I still look back to the person I was and thank God that he created me to the person I am today. And he's not done with me yet. Has Jesus Christ transformed your heart and life? Has he deposited the full measure of his love in your heart? Has he cleansed you of all of your sins and embraced you as his very own child? If you've not experienced that, I'm going to ask you to pray with me in just a few moments that the love of God might suddenly flood your heart, that your sins might be washed away for all time and eternity, and that you might know God as your personal Lord and Savior. Will you bow your heads with me right now? Holy Spirit, this is your time. It's all about you. It's all about Jesus being high and lifted up. And we want to do that in our preaching and teaching. We want to do that in our living. We want to do that in our, 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 our Sunday school teaching and small group leadership. We want to do that in all of the times we get together. And so folks can hear this simple gospel. And now, Lord, anyone who wants to have you in their heart to be cleansed and freed of the shackles of their sin, to find freedom in being your child, Lord, you encourage them to pray along with me right now to just say, dear God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I'm lost. If I were to die right now, I know hell would be my eternal home. But I've heard a message today that has pierced my heart. I've heard, God, that you love me so much that you came to be a human being just like me, but you lived a perfect life. And when you died, it was to take my sins, the full punishment of my sins upon yourself. And you rose so that I might have your life, to exchange my dead life for your wonderful, abundant life. Come into my heart. Cleanse me. Forgive me. I surrender myself to you. I want you to be the boss of my life. 
I dare to believe in Jesus' name that I can be saved. Holy Spirit, I know because of the word that you have inspired that any time and every time a person prays that prayer from the depths of their being, they're eternally saved. And today, some in our congregation, some watching via media, have prayed that prayer for the very first time. And we want to celebrate with them, Lord. We, we want to celebrate what you've begun in their lives, that they've been born again, that they have been made a new creature in Christ. So in these next few moments, those here in the sanctuary, Father, will you, will you encourage them to come and just be seated on our front row and, and let Derek and Eric come and just minister to them and, and, and affirm their salvation to them, share with them some more scripture, just love them as a brand new family member, brother or sister. Lord, maybe there's some we want to unite with our fellowship. Will you encourage them to come and be seated there and, and we'll come and receive them in a few moments into our fellowship as well. Some may want to just come to the altar here and pray. And just say, God, I've missed the point. I thought church was all about me. And, 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 and having my needs met, and my tummy filled, and, and my, my, my. And now, Lord, you've opened my eyes. It's, it's about me, all right. It's about me having opportunities to bring others. Lord, I just want to repent of my lackadaisical attitude and it being all about me. And Father, I want to commit my heart to it being all about you. In this time of invitation, Lord, as Ed reads us to sing, will you draw each and every person that you want to come to share their salvation, to join our fellowship, or just to come for prayer. This time is holy for you. We ask in Christ's name.